Hey everyone, this is Leela Sinha. Welcome to Power Pivot, the podcast version two. This is where we talk about business, leadership, ethics, community, and the way it all fits together. I'm glad you're here. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. This morning I'm thinking about an article I read about photography from an indigenous perspective and the language of photography of taking, capturing, shooting, and the gun-like violence embedded in that. And I'm thinking about one of my oldest friends who, when he talks about creating photography, talks about making a photograph. I never really thought about that, and I don't know if he learned that at art school or if he learned that inside himself, but it would fit his deep gentleness. Making a photograph. And in this article, they talked about the ways in which indigeneity has had to re-encounter photography in this modern context, in this colonized world, and what it means to decolonize photography, starting with the definitions of decolonization and the definitions of photography and how we do it and what we do it with and what it means to make a photograph about a thing. And liminality. And they talked, there was this one sentence where they said that men and women and LGBTQIA plus people, as though that was a whole separate category. And I felt this click in myself and thought, yes, yes, that to me, queerness is a word to describe personal liminality. But it's also more than that. It's a it's a it's its own place. I talk about being gender queer, but even using the word gender attached to queer makes it feel like I have to somehow genderize my queerness. Like there's a a, a way that I have to describe myself as tugged between two bodies when in fact there is no between two to be tugged. I am all of those things that people think are masculine and feminine, and I am not many of the things that people think are masculine and or feminine. And, and, and it is the most embedded part of my identity in the way that I know men who say that they are so men and women who believe that their whole meanness is wrapped around womanhood. And I never understood that, but I do understand my whole self being queer. And I'm thinking about the way that queerness and the concept of queering things, which came into common usage just about the time I was coming through college, I was privileged to be able to be at a college that offered some of the first formalized queer studies classes, and I was privileged to be able to take them and to start to reconceive my entire academic and intellectual journey with this centeredness of queerness. And now, of course, I sit and try and queer everything around me because otherwise it doesn't fit me, it doesn't suit me, or it doesn't interact with me. Like, it's okay 
that some things around me aren't queer and some things are truly neutral. They don't, they don't need queerness embedded in them in order for them to be for me. But so many things need, need that element of me in them somehow, need to know how to talk to being not just outside the lines, but outside of everything normative and expected, and simultaneously deeply normative and expected. Like, this is a thing that has a place in our culture, and I belong here. And when I take this idea, this thought, this, this practice of queerness into work, I can't help but remember my internship supervisor, Brian Kopke. I hope he's resting and painting and walking and playing his flute well, by which I mean deeply and without any regard for what other people think of it. I think of my internship supervisor and how he introduced me to the idea of doing our supervisory meetings at the sand pit that had been converted to a dog park on the edge of town. And so we would take his baby golden retriever, puppy, and get in his car and start talking as we drove to the sand pit. And then we would walk and walk through the trees and up and down and through the gorse and talk and talk and talk and laugh at the dog as she got muddy and got curious and scrambled in and under and over and around things and we would walk and talk and then when we were done we would walk back to the car and towel off the dog and get back in the car and drive back to the beautiful church building and go back to the rest of our work. But what I learned from that more than that I like walking in the woods with a dog and that that's a great way to get things moving, thoughts and ideas and feelings and practices that maybe aren't moving in the stillness of the office. It's also a great way to get actual privacy. And it's also a great way, as it turns out, for someone with ADHD to get a lot more focus on what his intern is saying. He made no secret of it. What I learned from that is that sometimes the work is better done interleaved with other things in the world. Sometimes two things do go together even if they don't look like they do. Sometimes you don't know what wisdom is waiting for you in the middle, which, you know, actually I knew I had known for a long time. This was not unfamiliar. I did an interdisciplinary undergraduate degree. I was constantly connecting and reconnecting one subject matter area to another until finally I just made it official. And the reason that this is up for me now is that I think it is time for us to think about what we need to interleave, what we need to mix, what we need to weave together, what we need to uncompartmentalize. As leaders, it is very tempting to expect and hope that people will compartmentalize themselves and their lives, that they will leave their feelings out of the workplace, that they will leave their work at work and go home to things that are not related to their work. But if you have ever stayed up late tossing and turning about the passion of your life, which is also your livelihood, you know that that is not a thing. 
And so we just try to pretend that it's a thing for some reason that I can't figure out. And instead, what if we recognize the deep integration of everything with everything, which is how life works? When people get pregnant, humans, our bodies swell and change and rewire to favor the fetus over the health of the gestating parent. And what does that mean concretely? It means that if your fetus wants to, it has the power to kill you. And that is one of the reasons why we only carry our fetuses for nine months. Because it would be a lot more logical developmentally if we carried them for 12. But if we carried them for 12, they would take so many of the resources from the parent that the parent would die before the fetus was born. And so our compromise is kind of like a kangaroo. We carry them around on the outside for the next three months. We are wired deeply with our environments, into our environments, and it is true that we extract resources from our environments, but we have to do it in a way that doesn't kill them or us. And we are wired deeply into our businesses. When we found something, we are integral to it, and it is integral to us at the beginning. And yes, our goal is to create something independent that can run around the world without us, that will potentially carry on after we're gone. And in order to create something that is truly sustainable, we have to remember our deep interconnection with it and its deep interconnection with us. And that is on the macro and the micro level. So in addition to that deep interconnection out there, the big one, the what is the purpose of your business and is it destroying the world or is it nourishing it question. There is also the small question, the set of small questions, the question of how do we make our lives and our being and the way that we are in our business be sustainable, be deeply integrated? How do we change from sitting in an office where we could be overheard and we can't really sit still and we can't really have our feelings to going to the sandpit where we can walk and talk and shout and cry and throw the stick for the dog? Sometimes that is literally the solution. Sometimes you need to take meetings off-site. Sometimes you literally need to take meetings in an unexpected environment. Sometimes you need to do things for one another that don't fall strictly inside the bounds of what we think of as appropriate for business. Sometimes we bring someone lunch or dinner. It's not your job. But we are all each other's business. Sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you don't know what their needs are. Sometimes it's just going to make it worse. Which means you have to know each other well enough not to do that and to leave the space where the spaces belong. And sometimes, sometimes it means giving someone agency and independence 
Sometimes it means explaining your reasoning so that you can give them agency and independence. Sometimes it means admitting that there's a little bit of a black box to the way you're running things, and that's on purpose, and explaining what you're doing and giving people the freedom to come or go as they need to. Sometimes a lot of things. And sometimes it means asking yourself, what should be shared, what should be sacred and quiet, when it is appropriate to capture something, and when you are simply going to make a photograph. This has been Power Pivot, the podcast. I'm your host, Leela Sinha. Thank you for listening. I offer gratitude for the earth and sky and the support and care of many who cross my path. Our post-production assistance is provided by William Jameson, and you can find him at jamesonav.net. You can find more of me and my work, including leadership consulting and keynotes, at intensiveinstitute.com.